Independent wrestling is pretty damn fucking cool. We're sitting down in the spotlight and squirt circle with Rhino. And we're trying to bring more awareness to the independent professional wrestling scene. Undoubtedly thankful for anybody that just decided to tune in and actually liked us enough to keep listening. Welcome into Gravel Talk, ladies and gents. Nick Ragnar, along with Jesse Von Rudin, here live in the studio. Jesse, how are you doing? You know, Nick, I'm doing very well. I'm coming off my WrestleMania high, and here we are finally two weeks afterwards getting back together for Grapple Talk. Yeah. Why didn't we meet last week? What happened last week? I, don't I, I think last week what we ended up running into was uh, just, just time constraints. You know, it was okay. one of those things you wanted to do it in the morning. I couldn't do it in the morning. Then we had a huge snowstorm. Yeah, that's right. And we almost died. We almost did die. You yeah. know? It's a good thing we actually killed that Yeti. Yeah, it was a good thing that we killed that abominable snowman. Uh-huh. And uh, we're here this week to kill your um, uh, Bo- enthusiasm Bo- for Enthus- wrestling. Enthusiasm. You, know, you listen to this I, I and then yeah. you – yeah, is that what yeah, I want to yeah, get yeah, at? Yeah. Uh, because we are going to talk about the roster shake up, shake up, shake up, shake up, shake up, up. Is that supposed to be Taylor Swift? I don't know. I hated that how, very how, much. How can you hate that? That's such a catchy tune. That is not a like catchy awful. No, nope, totally is. Nope, totally super catchy. Not at nope, not that. But anyways, we want to thank everybody for joining us this week on the Grapple Talk Network. Uh, make sure to check out our Facebook page at the Grapple Talk, Twitter at. The Grapple Talk as well. They're both the same. Yeah, um, pretty easy to follow. Ross Philly Matters podcast had an episode that dropped recently. I know they got some other stuff coming up here. And uh, Riley Factor, is making, he's making changes to his show. RGG back in the swing of things. Got some great episodes lined up for that. And we are here bringing you the flagship where we talk about the national wrestling scene, people. And along with that, we also talk about life. Yeah, We talk about friendships, you know, uh, yeah. love, yes. hate. Yes, um, the important things. The important things in life, right? You know. Like so how I, have you been? I've been all right. You know, Nick, I can't complain too much. You know, I've been busy. So like, I think from the last time we got together, always something new in life. What's right? new this, this? What's new this like, time? The biggest thing right now is looking for a new job. Oh my god. So yeah. So I'm. You in heard it here of, first. I'm in the middle of the job search. Uh, I applied a couple different places. We we'll see how that kind of goes. Clown. No, I'm not applying to be a clown. No. I'm already am one. <laughs> Why should I apply to be one? Are you? Did you apply to um, work at Smokes for Less? No. Okay. I mean, are that's they pretty equivalent to being hiring? a clown. I don't know. Maybe. Like, could you imagine me like selling people cigarettes? I don't know. Give me something here. I'd be like, so the guy comes up. He's like, Hey man, can I get a can I get a box of Marlboro Reds? I'm like, Are you sure you want a box of Marlboro Reds? I mean, come on. Like the uh, Surgeon General says, it actually causes cancer. You would be fired instantly. You are doing the opposite of your job. <laughs> I said, Give me a box of Reds. Somebody, like, somebody uh, would almost shoot you because uh, of it. I, I would believe so. Yeah. You can work at Salvation Army. We got some jobs over there. Oh yeah, what you got? Like, what are you hiring for? Um, I li- I, may- I think we need a janitor. <laughs> hey, listen, it worked pretty well for Matt Damon, right? That's true. Yeah, I, it I did. Could do it. Yeah, it did. He started yeah. discovering equations, and then he is that what we're talking about right now? Is that what yeah, we're, 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 we're talking about? Goodwill Hunting. It didn't work out so well for Robin Williams. We didn't. So. Yeah, it did not. Goodwill Hunting is a, like a great movie, actually. You know, I don't think I've ever watched it from start to finish. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm doing one of those like obligatory like. Where you say that you haven't seen a movie, and then the person that you're talking to, even though you really don't want them to do it, they go, "Oh my gosh, you really haven't done." So you, you have haven't seen, seen it either. No, I have. I'm really? you know, it's the same thing oh. where it's like, um, what, what's a what's a really famous movie? Um, give me something. Give me like a really like a cult Scarface. classic. No, I've seen. Give me something else. Okay. Um. Uh, what about um Caddy. Caddy, Caddyshack? I've never seen Caddyshack. You've never seen Caddyshack. No, see, and that's the, that's the okay, thing. Okay. All right. Whenever you have those discussions. Uh-huh. I feel like from the opposite. Of, what do you think of that? No, I, well, I can see why you probably haven't seen it. 
Yeah, but I, I feel like whenever yeah. I go, I haven't seen Caddyshack, and somebody's like, "You haven't seen Caddyshack?" You're an then I'm like, "Okay, you know what? Don't judge me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I was grown up. I grew up. I was born in 1991. What do you want me to do?" Okay, okay. So, so. I oh, don't you don't. I, you don't I, like. It's I, like when people. You yeah. don't like the Beatles. When you don't like the. You don't like the Beatles, man. Do you like the Beatles? I don't. I. D I actually, them. I don't blame you for not liking the Beatles. Really? Yeah. Why? I think like sometimes like certain things, especially like movies, bands, books wrestlers stuff like that they're they're overhyped yeah and after a while you kind of formulate an opinion based on it but the fact that like oh this is so hyped i'm not gonna like it yeah and then i take it at some point in time you actually listen to the beatles yeah. and you're like oh they're nothing special hey here we go uh -huh. ready all over the place we're gonna talk about the the shake-up mm -hmm. and uh some local wrestling in a bit most overhyped wrestler of all time is who oh jeez. most overhyped wrestler of all time that's tough isn't it <sighs> I never even thought about that before. That's you weird. Know, we like, always have these discussions, but I don't. You know, feel like we, we might have to get back to that, that in the, like the third segment of the show because it's going to take a while. Are we talking like thinking. based it based on debut or based on what like you know everyone? Like I think I think them. I think you look back. Like today, we look back and like everybody's always like, "Oh, this guy was like one of the best of all time." But then you go back and you're like, "Actually, not really." But that's the common huh. thread, you know. Hmm. Kind of like the Beatles. Everybody's like, "Oh, the Beatles is the best band of all time." But oh, okay, yeah. Similar to like that kind of a. That kind of a comparison. I know, like, Dave Meltzer kind of found himself in some um, heavy heat for his uh, Bruno San Martino comments oh, about okay. him not, like, drawing as well as everyone said he did, actually, at oh. Madison Square Garden. Hmm. But, uh, you know, rest in peace, Bruno. We're not going to bring that up on this podcast no. because that's not what we do. Mm -mm. You know, who I, you know, I got one. Okay, who? Undertaker. Do you think he's overrated? I think that he had a couple of years where he had really really good matches and mm -hmm. i think it changed the perception that that is how he was in the ring his entire career when that's not true i think uh that's tough man. personally i think and this is just me mm -hmm. I, I i don't remember a lot of his 90s stuff but i i would say over the 2000s up until the Shawn michaels match he was honestly kind of lackluster in the ring his characters whoa. yeah i would whoa whoa, whoa. a lot yep. of people would say from like the early 2000s to those matches with Michaels, like he was putting in the best work of his career. Yeah, but that, I mean, but best work of his career, maybe, but are we talking like all time great? I don't think so. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying people are talking like he might yeah. be the best of all time. And it's like, I don't think he was necessarily that great. I think mm -hmm. he had a couple of years where it was like, holy shit, he's really putting it together at WrestleMania. But there was a, there's also where were stretches where it was like he was just another big man that had a wacky gimmick where he was apparently actually a dead person. Yeah, he was an actual dead person, but uh, he was playing an Undertaker because uh, he was scarred based on his childhood because he lost his parents. Whoa! And his his brother, he thought. Wow! Did you just did you just get done reading the Mark Calloway book, Callahan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Callahan or Calloway? It's Calloway. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, anyways, mm -hmm. um, speaking of of wrestling things. Pretty big show. Did you have any shows this past weekend? Um, no, actually. Whoa! So, so the, Whoa! we were supposed to have a show in the uh, Pine Island for AWF on Saturday. We got that huge snowstorm. So they basically canceled the show. And what they ended up doing was moving it to this weekend, which also happens to be the Water City WrestleCon. So mm. you got to get on the phone. You're like, hey, brother, you think you can make our show next Saturday? Hey, dude, no, I had, I had another gig booked for like months. Yikes. And then it becomes like then it almost becomes our problem where it's like, oh hey man, could you could you find a camera guy? We really need a camera guy. It's like you move the date on me. Yeah. I I, I can't. You know I can't on short notice. You know. But for what know. it's worth, I'm really not looking forward to my Saturday. It's just there's there's too many things going on. Yeah. 
and to me, there's not much of a payoff for the things that I'm doing. So, Well, that is definitely true. So last week you had River City Championship Wrestling, and you went through a table. I went through a table, Jesse. It was actually a lot of fun. I came out. I just showed you it. I uh, had a really nice uh, – the poem thing, I think, is it's fun. It's something yeah. different. You know, like the, the show before, I did a rap segment with Trey, with Cal Creed. He, did, he yeah. beatboxed while I rapped. It was so stupid. And this past one, I got to write a poem for uh, Bob Covey and his birthday. So I, mm-hmm. you know, the the night before, um, originally I wasn't planning on writing a poem because I was like, oh, we're facing the Dojo Boys. I don't really, you know, let's just get to the match or whatever. I don't want the intro to be like 20 minutes and then yeah. the match is 20 minutes. is too much. And then they were like, oh, well, you know, it's Bob's birthday. We want you to do a cake presentation and get, you know, whatever. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, so then I was able to sit down and write some, you know, like uh, retirement party ju- puns and jokes, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Which is really cool, and then the the match was actually a lot of fun. And since I'm a manager, it's really easy because anytime I get hit with something, I'm out for like ten minutes. So, yeah. um, the match started. I got super kicked right away, and then Trey, AC, and the Dojos fought outside the ring. I don't know what they did. I was just I was you like know, I'm unconscious. Yeah, I was out. out. Yeah. And then, uh, but then it worked out pretty well. You know, me and uh, Adam Grace, Brandon, we were the the last ones in the in the matchup, kind of just to play off of the payoff. You know, I'm the I'm the sleazy, out of shape goofball manager that uh, came out and made fun of everybody's favorite fan at the beginning and then I get put through the table at the end but it was kind of it was it was pretty cool actually because um um so basically I hit Brandon in the back with a chair and then I, I lay him down a table and you know it's it's kind of like the what what is this guy he's not a wrestler so I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna jump through I'm gonna Take him off the yeah, top yeah, yeah. you know so you're climbing up the turnbuckle and clearly you're not a wrestler I'm not a wrestler I'm 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 I feel like uh King Kong when I'm, I'm climbing the skyscrapers. Yeah. Just and you got, you got that beautiful in. woman in yeah. your hand, and you're like, and you're like the yeah, but coming. I'm taking it. I'm letting it happen. I'm soaking it all in. In reality, I'm just uh, waiting for Colin Brooks to get to me. Um, and it was pretty hilarious because he uh, started out behind me, and I was like, all right, well, he'll he's a pretty quick guy, right? And uh, I was just climbing and climbing, and I was like, what is he, what's going on? What's taking so long? And then you see Adam Grace look at him and go, hurry up, Colin. So so basically <laughs> he's he's laying on the table and he sees him and he's like, hurry the fuck up. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. You know, like, so, so, and then at that point in time, are you laughing? You hear this, you know, like. I wasn't. I was, yeah. I was like, is this dude, I've never went through a table actually. I was pretty nervous. Really? Yeah, I was like, I mean, and the tables were really thin, and, uh, you know, I've taken the bump before, but I was still like, oh, man, like, I've never went through a table before. Yeah. Originally, the plan actually was <laughs> that um, Colin would knee me, uh-huh. uh, Adam Grace would super kick me, and then I would fall backward to the outside through a table, like a ginormous bump. Okay, and you, you know, just, just put it out there, you're not a trained professional. I'm and not. they wanted you to take the most dangerous bump of the whole fucking match. Hold on match. a sec. I want to... I wanna I want to say this. It was my idea to do that. It was your idea. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. So you want to take the most dangerous bump in the match. Yeah. And you're not a trained professional. Yeah, and it was partially because, you know, I like the payoff's important to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the payoff. That was the final nail in the coffin. And I was like, this is the best way to go out. But then in talking about it, it's like, well, it makes more sense for it to happen in the middle of the ring. You know, yeah. it's the end of the match. Let it happen in the middle of the ring. Everybody can see it good camera angles that way too so that's how we ultimately came up with that but uh yeah it was a it was a lot of fun um i thought the match was actually i thought it was pretty good it was it's very similar to um 
I don't know what I'm trying to think of here, but it's you know it, like it's not like some type of technical masterpiece, but I think the story that's told, and I think ultimately you know it, tables match. It's a big spot. It's a spot fest, but all the spots were really well done. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was a I thought it was a really fun and a really good match. It was a and it was a great card. RCCW again drawing I think just under 200 people again. That's good. That's good. Um, so it, seemingly it, it seems like they've got their stuff figured out. I think they got another sponsorship out of it. Um, out of that show, I think there was a business owner there that saw the show and was oh, really neat. impressed and decided to to jump on the the sponsorship bandwagon. So you know, it's it's really cool. They're doing a lot of great stuff, and you know, constantly. I um, uh, to be honest, we we talked about this in length. I think it was the last episode, but uh, you know, I continue to say, you know, one day I think it'd be it'd be fun. It's weird, but it'd be fun to just completely be done with wrestling and yeah. then. You know, go to the lacrosse shows as a fan. Like, I'll pay a ticket, I'll have beer, I'll watch, you know, my old buddies wrestling and not take part in hanging out downstairs and in the action. But, you know, nights like that make me go, you know, this is, I could probably do this for a few more shows. This is actually pretty fun here in lacrosse. Um, but, but yeah, it, it was it was a really fun time and it's good to see it continue to grow because, like I say, every time we talk about RCCW, we always used to say how we'd wish that there was a nice big you know, show in our backyard that didn't have a negative perception about it. And I think RCCW is really kind of doing that. It's just a matter of getting the word out. So That is definitely true. You know, once you get the word out of how how fun it is, I think it catches on like wildfire. And it's really good to see that RCCW is, is getting into that territory right now where it's constantly growing. I know for a while there, there was a lot of a lot of growth pains, you know. Yeah. Like that's just yeah. that happens with every promotion. But right now they have a very nice sweet spot. They got a good talented roster. They got a lot of people going out of their way to really kind of promote the shows, and it's paying off. A lot of fans are coming home happy, and they're coming back for the next one. Yeah. And speaking of big shows, you got you got the second annual uh, Water City WrestleCon this weekend. I yeah. wish that I was able to go. I got uh, I got booked at uh, one of my shoot jobs, and uh, I also have a couple of fundraisers that I need to attend, so uh, I'm not going to be able to join you. You but have real life going on, Nick, and I have uh, you know fantasy life. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it should be a lot of fun. I mean, it's going to probably be another, you know, what, 2,000 people maybe? I mean, it's going to be crazy. Yeah. Um, so ACW is basically they're, they're putting all their chips on the table with this one. Um, last year they did the same thing, but this year they decided to do it bigger and better. They're bringing in more names. Uh, more vendors. They they move venues, so they're actually running where the um, the Milwaukee Bucks D League team plays. Um, it's downtown Oshkosh. I wish I knew the name of the venue off the top of my head, but I do not. Um, it's going to be interesting. This is the first time that this venue has ever had pro wrestling, and it really kind of started as a grassroots movement with them. It was very much, hey, this building's opening up. Wouldn't it be cool if we were the first wrestling yep. company there? Not really knowing that. Oh shit! We would. Gonna, we are going to be the first ever wrestling company there. Um, last I heard, they've already had over a thousand tickets pre-sold. Yep, that's huge. Um, I know when they actually announced the show, they sold out of front row and second row tickets that night. Yep, that's unheard of. Yep, like especially for a size of a building this place is, for for indie wrestling in this area, like to have those tickets move as quick as they did, that is fucking phenomenal. Um, this is a big show for a lot of these guys, uh, you know, like porn stash Peter Schwanz is taking on Joey Ryan. 
Yeah. That's interesting. You have Sadis taking on Ryback. That's going to be fucking intense. Logan Lynch and Scott Steiner. Logan Lynch, Scott Steiner. You have TW3 taking on MVP. Yep. You know, the $5,000 Battle Royal. There, there's so many cool things going on for the show. Um, tickets are still available. If you're in the Oshkosh area, hit up ACW Wrestling's website. They got tickets there. You can get a hold of some of the guys. They still have tickets available. I, this is going to be a huge show, and I think a lot of people are – I hope a lot of people don't take this for granted. You know, that like, oh, this is like a once a year thing that we do. No, this is a big thing. Like, anytime you can put your, do what you do and you love it and you can do it in front of that many people, that's a special moment. So just step outside for a bit, really kind of absorb it in, take it all in, and enjoy the moment because it doesn't come on often. Yeah, you know, honestly, if we were better at podcasting it probably been a good idea to bring on somebody that's like planning it or even somebody that's gonna be wrestling for it because think about the mindset right you know for you or i it might be an event that we have for work or something you know that uh, comes up once in a great while and we're like holy shit this is my this is my thing this is my moment this is my i got something going here um, for a lot of these guys I, i can't even fathom being like you know this saturday and i hope i hope this is their feeling right um I'm not saying how people should or shouldn't feel, but I hope that if you're listening to this podcast and you're you're wrestling at, at Water City WrestleCon, you have butterflies and you have that, oh, shit, dude, I'm about to wrestle in front of two th- – like somebody believed in me enough to, uh, you know, put me on a show that's either going to make or break them moving forward, right? Yeah. Um, I, I hope that you have that feeling if you're listening to this and you and you are and you are working this Saturday because that's that's incredible. That's got that's got to be one of the coolest things to know that somebody has your back that much and believes in you that much to do something like that. And uh, because we we know everybody that's there is going to absolutely kill it. I mean that they do it month in and month out regardless if they're doing it in front of 20 people or doing it in front of 200 um it's just really cool because i mean dude 2000 people you know if they can hit that number i mean that's i mean we see those numbers when lacrosse comes to or when uh, wwe WWE, comes lacrosse i mean that's that's crazy that's so cool and uh you know i i think acw is doing great things and it is really cool to see how far um, Weimer and Dylan and uh, all those other guys have been able to come in this short period of time over the past what is it three years and they're already doing something like this like so four years four now, years you know and it's one of those things too like well, Weimer and uh, Caleb they're expecting their firstborn like yeah. it's coming up here rather quickly as well you know this this is a huge moment for these guys huge moment um, they're gonna knock it out of the park they're absolutely gonna knock it out of the park and I'm really I'm honored and blessed that I get to sit ringside and call all the action because, like, that's that's like the dream when you're when you're when you're sitting there with your action figures and you're putting together matches <laughs> and you're doing commentary over that. It's like your dream is to do something like that on a big scale and do it in front of people that you never you never imagine would be at a wrestling show. Yeah, you know, but the, everyone's there for the same reason because they love fucking pro wrestling. Imagine the environment. That's got to be cool for you too. I mean, the thinking about like calling a, the the uh, Ryback Sadist match, and you have 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 people that, like screaming fans on their feet. Um, that's going to be invigorating to call on commentary. Oh, that's going to be it really was, cool. You know, last year we actually got a chance to do it during the uh, Kevin Thorne Sadist match, and like we didn't even see half that match. No. You know, because they ended up brawling all over the. Uh, you know the convention center yep. there, so I mean we we had to do their best, and you know you had to deal with um you know <laughs> Roadhouse, Roadhouse being sh- a little, shitting on me the whole time, shitting on you a little bit, you yep. know. So 
you know, it's just <laughs> how it goes, man. It's just how it goes. But we had a good time last year, though. That was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, I thought it was a good time last year, and I know it's going to be even better mm-hmm. this year. I'm going to miss not being able to do the uh, the pre-show package because that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I never got to see the finished product of that. You know, I think Ryan's got it somewhere. Yeah. So I'll, I'll talk to him and be like, hey, man, like, I'm, I'm shocked that you never got to see, like, the final – Final cut. That that was a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, you got to cool. you got to interview the guy who invented the inflatable chairs. Yeah, you know, that was pretty cool. And he got beat up a little bit. We got, got beat up. We got to fans. go outside. Yeah, that was really cool. I thought you know. we got to yeah interview the fans and and uh, and talk with some of the vendors. It was a uh, it was a pretty neat experience, and I'm sure that it's going to be very similar this year, and uh, dare I say uh, better. Yeah, like I think a lot of those guys are hoping for. So yeah, it's definitely it's going to be interesting for me too because it's like actually going to be the first road trip I'm taking the misses on. Oh, okay. Yeah, so she's got the weekend off, and she's like, hey, what are you doing this weekend? I'm like, well, it's the same thing I told you like three months ago, what I've been doing like this weekend. I got the Water City WrestleCon. She's like, so you're going to be in Oshkosh? I'm like, yeah. She's like, do you want company? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, you want to come? And she's like, yeah, definitely. So, you know, we'll probably stay overnight, and then we're going to Viroqua the next day for this uh, Earth Day dinner. So we're making like a whole weekend out of this thing. So, that should be interesting, you know. It's like I don't really bring anyone with me as a comp ever. Yeah. So I and it's, I think this is like her first wrestling show she's ever been to. Oh, okay. So I I think she's already kind of walking in with certain expectations of what wrestling is. I think we can actually kind of change her opinion on what wrestling is. Nice. And so maybe it'd be one of those things where she'd be like, "Okay, you can watch wrestling with the boys now." <laughs> you know. So we'll we'll kind of find out. Sure. Well, it's going to be a lot mm-hmm. of fun. And speaking of fun. Lots of fun had in WWE over the past week. Superstar shakeup. We're going to talk about that coming up next right here on the, whoops, Grapple Talk. Don't go anywhere. Hey, it's Hot Shot Scott Williams. Do you like chili? Well, I do too. Do you like podcasts? Well, so do we. It's the Ross Family Matters podcast. Join myself, Victor Stick Ross, Jack Spade, and, From a, the and a cavalcade of other people except Maru. You're never allowed. Grapple Talk Network. It's the podcast. We're coming at you. Maru's not allowed! Hey everybody, this is RGG from the Regular Guy Gaming Podcast on the Grapple Talk Network. I think it's safe to say if you like wrestling, you also like games. So join me and my co-host Ragbag as we talk about old games, new games, games we love, games we hate, special guests, interviews, and of course, Ragbag's love for Luigi Mansion. That is all on Regular Guy gaming check us out welcome back to grapple talk nick and jesse here talking the superstar shakeup for wwe and we are utilizing uh one of our good friends posts all things wrestling radio uh go like them on facebook they do a lot of interviews and they talk wrestling here in the lacrosse area on saturday mornings and uh, you can find out all that information by hitting them up on Facebook. But recently they were able to make a post summarizing all of the moves made by the Superstar Shakeup and Jesse. This is huge, man. I think, what is there, like 18 get, uh, competitors on both shows that are that have moved or something like that? So, I mean, uh, the, definitely uh, quite a bit of shakeup as far as the mid-card and the tag divisions for both shows are concerned. And then a couple of main eventers also making the move to the other night. Yeah, it, it became one of those things on Monday. Um, there was already the joke that basically the whole SmackDown mid-card was moving to Raw. But as you notice, as we basically go through these names, like that's actually a good thing. It gives them a, like a new lease on life, especially going to Raw. And you can definitely have a lot of different feuds. And the way that SmackDown ended up shaping up, 
You know, SmackDown's always viewed as a like a B-level show for a lot of people, but with the roster shakeup they have and with the talent they still have on that show, this is going to be an amazing show to watch. I don't know where do you want to start, Nick? Do we start with Raw or do we start with SmackDown? Let's start with let's start with Raw actually. And one of the first announcements that we did have Jinder Mahal moving over to Monday Night Raw with the United States Championship, ultimately losing it to Jeff Hardy, who would end up on SmackDown. But um, Jinder Mahal, I I, I I actually kind of like him on on WWE Raw. Uh, I think that he was miscast right away as the main event guy on SmackDown. I think it, I, I we defended him quite a bit uh, last year, but I do think that it was a little a little too quick of a move to the very top. I don't think he was necessarily ready. I think he would have been perfect for that United States Championship role. And uh, I think on Raw he's going to find a nice niche. He's got three hours to come out there and and to cut these you know, whatever, anti-USA promos that uh, just get him that uh, ginormous heat. And uh, I think when you look at the main event scene in Raw, it's not somewhere where he's going to probably have ever have a chance to to, to seep into. So I think uh, I think Raw is a good opportunity for Jinder. I think it's a, it's it'll be a chance for him to, I don't know, maybe establish some new... Um, new rivalries and new matchups and maybe kind of reinvigorate what a lot of people were probably considering a boring career on SmackDown because it got to the point it's like who else is he going to work over there he yeah. worked pretty much everybody that is definitely true and him losing the U.S. title to Jeff Hardy and a lot of people were like oh man are they gonna, they're going to keep the U.S. title and the Intercontinental title on the same show uh, and that ended up being you know not null and void there um I don't know I really kind of do like the move um Jinder can really kind of play that um I don't know that villain who's very full of himself yet always kind of the the fall to the wayside to like heroes who actually have a lot of fun, especially a guy like No Way Jose who yep. actually made his way to Raw as well, um, which actually is kind of interesting. So with Paige ended up becoming the new general manager of SmackDown, that kind of changed up her group dynamic. So now you have the Riot Squad coming over to Raw. So Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, and Sarah Logan as well. Yeah, I actually personally really like this move. Um, I think Ruby Riot is proving to be a pretty damn good female's competitor uh, on SmackDown. I think that she, I think that she had the right to be in the women's championship picture. And I, and this is again, this is just an opportunity to change scenery. I think it just it gives Ruby, it gives Liv, it gives Sarah Logan a chance to work with some other gals on that roster, and then hopefully, you know, I think when you when you looked at that too, it just it it, it gives. Since Raw has so much time, it they have more of an opportunity to build two or three separate women's feuds. When you look at SmackDown, I mean, if you, if I know you don't watch SmackDown, but when you do, you you really do realize. I don't even know if you watch SmackDown. No, I I have the yeah, past yeah. couple of weeks, and you actually really realize how crunched they are for time with the amount of superstars they have, and sometimes it can be difficult getting more than one women's segment on. So, what I kind of liked about Ruby and Liv and and Sarah Logan and even Natalia going over to Raw is that uh you know sure Raw lost Asuka in this whole exchange but now you're putting over more women on a brand where there's more time to give them something to do opposed to leaving them off TV every single week so I really like the idea of moving some more gals over to Raw one of the biggest complaints about SmackDown right now Jesse and we'll talk about this in a sec is that they might not have enough time every single week to be able to feature everybody they want to feature but uh that's just who one knows? of those things but that actually could keep some of that talent special uh speaking about special talent Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn make the logical jump over to Raw. Um, basically, they did everything and then some on SmackDown. So a new fresh paint here for Owens and Zayn. Do you think they should 
be a tag team? Or how, what do you think their dynamic should be? Because here's what a lot of people talked mm-hmm. about. That Raw now lacks traditional tag teams. They don't really ha- They lost, you know, the bar. Uh-huh. Um, they lost Anderson and Gallows. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a tag division that was already kind of light, you know? Because, like, you look at SmackDown, and it's more of, like, an established tag team. Mm-hmm. You look at SmackDown, they've got New Day. They have the Usos. They have – now they have the bar. Now they have Anderson and Gallows. They have um, – Sanity coming over now. That's they've true. got they've got the Bludgeon Brothers. You look at Raw, it's like a lot of hodgepodge tag teams. Well, even though Raw, look at this, okay? So you can definitely do like Breeze and Fandango right there, the Fashion Police. You probably you probably have to keep Owens and Zayn together. Um, one team that we never thought we probably wanted until we saw it was Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre. Yeah, they got a so pretty So you big got pop. those guys as well. You have Connor and Victor as well. Um, and it's interesting too because you take a you separate one of the tag teams off of SmackDown by moving Chad Gable over. So is that kind of like you're going to keep Gable around just in case of the whole Jason Jordan thing? I maybe think they might. Back? I think I think maybe actually. Um, I honestly, again, mm-hmm. you know, this is this is one of the things where I think a lot of people are missing it. You know, they're looking at you know SmackDown keeping Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, they're looking at Samoa Joe getting pushed over. Um, and they're they're ultimately assuming you know that's that's where the money is. To me, when you're looking at these roster shakeups, sometimes it's about looking at the guys lower on the card that really have potential, mm-hmm. and that's where a guy like to me like Chad Gable comes into play. I mean, I personally think Chad Gable is the perfect guy to hold a mid card championship. Hell, you could probably build this guy to be. I mean, I don't think he'll main event against Brock Lesnar anytime soon, but I think you could really do something with a Chad Gable. I think you can really do something with Mike Kanellis once Maria comes back after they've had their their child. I think there is the possibility. I know a lot of people might shit on me for this, but to do something with Mojo Raleigh. I think there's potential to do something with Baron Corbin. I think Raw while you compare app you know you're trying to compare apples to apples here may have gotten guys who we consider to be mid carters under carters even jobbers but i think with raw being 3 hours this is awesome because now you're giving guys like chad gable mike canellis mojo Raleigh, even the ascension who people were super high out of coming out of nxt you're giving these guys a chance to do something meaningful on television where on smackdown they just didn't have that opportunity so i really actually like what raw was able to do here and i and to echo Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, you know, we didn't know we wanted this. They came out there, they had this, like, intensity about them. And people are kind of saying this about Miz and Big Cass on the SmackDown brand, but on the Raw brand, I mean, you can kind of liken it almost to a Kevin Nash, Shawn Michaels. That's what a lot of people are calling it, yeah, Kevin yeah. Nash and Shawn Michaels thing. I, I saw the memes. I'm pretty, yeah, well, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty pumped about that. I think that's going to be really exciting, too. It's just, it's kind of nice because, for once, Raw doesn't seem like it has after being able to move guys like Samoa Joe over and move the Miz back over, who I think deserves to to be in the main event scene, and maybe not getting Andrade Almas and moving over the bar, you're you're opening up so much more opportunity for these underachieving guys on SmackDown to get some more meaningful TV time. And you got to think, too, the, the biggest thing with Raw is your three pillars right there. You have Reigns, Rollins, and Ambrose. Yep. So if you're looking at those guys basically as your tiers on Raw – they're going to need people they can feud with. Yep. And there's a lot of guys on here who are definitely different. A lot of guys on here who who are good hands can really make people look good. Um, it, it's good get for Raw. And a lot of these competitors definitely will have a uh, new 
you know, lease on life, as they would say, because there's only so much you could have done with Baron Corbin going forward, for, you know, forward there on SmackDown. He yep. just, it almost seems like he was wearing out his welcome. A lot of these guys are kind of wearing out their welcome, especially after you know you only go somewhere and you can't really move up. Yeah, I think when you look at guys like even a Bobby Roode, I mean, nobody really. I think Bobby Roode is a pretty boring character, but I think honestly, if they were to turn him heel at this point, he would. If Bobby Roode was a heel for the last month. Coming into the switchover onto onto Raw, I think like his move would be a lot bigger deal, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't. I, I I'm looking at these moves more as potential than what they are right now. I think with SmackDown, yeah, it's great. We can go to SmackDown. I think yeah, it's great. They they're they have all this talent. They have an opportunity now where guys don't have to work every week. It makes them more special. But I think in saying that, it's not even that some guys won't work every week. I think there's a chance that you're going to see guys like The Bar or like The New Day who are going to go weeks without doing anything. Like see, that, That's where I kind of I gotta disagree because if you look at uh, the guys who made the move from, from Raw to SmackDown, so like The Miz, Jeff Hardy, you, you know you're going to kind of highlight those guys every week. Sonya Deville, Mandy Rose, you know, they're going to be kind of in the back pocket of the GM there, so that's going to be intriguing. Samoa Joe, he's a natural fucking killer on this oh, roster. Yeah. Um, you got Sandy, you know, Eric Young, Killian Dane, Alexander Wolf. You know, at some point in time, you're going to look at guys like Styles, Brian, and even Joe, maybe like you got the triple threat feud there. You got the feud there with the New Day. That's something that you can do right away. You can bring them in and have them feud with like the Usos as well. So that really works there. Big cast. This is a big step for him. Oh, yeah. Because like you're looking at a guy who's got all the potential in the world. Um, Might have got lost on Raw. Like here, he stands out. He's huge. He's intimidating. He, it could be very interesting. And putting right. him in a program with Dan O'Brien right away makes a lot of sense. Asuka, we were already kind of hinting that she was going to go over to SmackDown anyhow, like p- like pre-WrestleMania. Yeah. Now, here she is, new set of talent she can go over, and she's always got that match with Charlotte in the back pocket. Yeah. So if you need to go to that match at, like let's say, a SummerSlam or Survivor Series, you can definitely do that now. Uh, Gallows and Anderson, this one was an interesting one. They were finally getting the Balor Club to a certain point, and then they split them up. Yeah. Good idea, bad idea. I really do think that part of the reason for that, and we talked about this during WrestleMania, and I'm not sure exactly how comfortable I am talking about it on this podcast, but I think they're doing they're going in a different direction with Finn Balor. I really do, and I don't think that uh, Gallows and Anderson fit into that uh, fit into that uh, whole gimmick that they're trying to do. So that's probably one reason why they moved over. I personally really liked AJ Styles and uh, Gallows and Anderson when they kind of did their whole club thing before the roster split. so Well, who knows? Maybe they'll go back to that one yeah. there. Um, it also could be interesting, too, because, you know, Nakamura's got that new heel paint on him. He might need some heavy hitters as well. Yeah, so kind of keep yeah. your eyes on that one as well. Uh, maybe you can use guys like Sheamus and Cesaro in that situation. They did everything they could on Raw, so coming over to SmackDown is definitely a different different paint. You know, paint coat there. Our truth, interesting one there. I I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. You know, because yeah, it's like, out of nowhere. You know, it's out of nowhere, and probably like the biggest call up. We we saw this one coming for a little bit here. Um, Almas and Vega coming up from NXT. There, they're keeping that package together. I don't know if there's anyone who's benefited more on NXT or the main event roster from having a manager oh, like yeah. Almas did. Right, like it just clicked. All of a sudden, that whole package clicked. The dude's a million bucks. You can put him in the mid-card scene. You know, him and Jeff Hardy would have a really good feud there. You can move him up to the main event scene in probably like six months. Whoever's champ then, it's going to have a phenomenal run with him as well. Mm-hmm. So SmackDown really kind of 
I to me, I think they got away with you know bolstering their roster very well. There is no weak points in that roster. It the only thing that might be the weak point is the fact that they only have two hours. Yeah, but they're so good about maximizing their time. I hope so. I mean, I, I we've talked about SmackDown and how crappy they've been in the past year. And is that? I, I think a lot of it's been the last six months. Sure, but but know? is that is that because of the writing? Or is it because they just don't know what to do with guys? And that's what worries me is you have, I mean, you have some great talents in here. You have guys like The Miz who's going to make his own thing. Samoa Joe went out there on Tuesday night and cut a scathing promo. I mean, he did, he, he's Samoa Joe. He's probably one of the top five guys in the company right now. You have Andrade Almas who can keep up with anybody in the ring. But, again, the, the, the one thing that, that just kind of that worries me a little bit isn't necessarily that because I was a defender of that. Oh, they only have two hours. Well, it's a good thing that the show's only two hours. But are you worried at all about guys like The Bar, for example? We would probably agree that Sheamus and Cesaro have been one of the better tag teams over the past few months. Uh, is there a chance where we're not going to see these guys wrestle for three to four weeks because you can only have so many tag – you know, if you have one tag feud, does that ma- basically make uh, Sheamus and Cesaro unable to perform everywhere? I don't, I don't know. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, that's kind of weird. So, uh, I guess breaking news, uh, Pro Wrestling Sheet uh, has learned that Harry Smith, Davey Boy Smith Jr., is uh, wanted by the police in New Orleans for apparently an incident involving Jake Roberts when it came to batteries. What a weird story. That is very weird. If I had to pick two people involved in a battery case, it would not be those two from the past (laughs) weekend. I can tell you that much. Um, No, I I think of the bar, you're going to see him on the on. I, they have to be on almost every week. Um, they're just find ways to maximize the talent. They always done. SmackDown has always done that, where they found ways to maximize the talent they've had in the brand. I think I don't know if you want to say maybe like the writing was bad and stuff like that. Let's just take it out of the step of wrestling here and actually kind of talk about football because you can look at a lot of different rosters, even both in football, basketball, baseball, and see how loaded they are with talent. What really helps sometimes is just being able to use that talent to the best of its ability. I think at some point in time, SmackDown just kind of, especially the creative team, lost focus of what they had there. And they tried to put the pieces they had and work them in a different area. Yeah. I think now they're realizing, wow, the pieces that we have, let's keep them the way we have them and let's maximize them to the most benefit. That, come on, like, fuck, how can you fuck up Daniel Bryan's <laughs> return? Are they going to fuck up Brand, Daniel Bryan's return? Yeah, here? actually, probably. Fuck. I don't know. Quite possibly, and it's weird actually you know who because they should have moved. Fuck, they didn't. They should have moved fucking Bailey. Yeah, they really should have actually. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't. You know, again, they continued to, 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 in my opinion, screw that up. I don't. I don't know. It, it, it's weird because I think at this point, you you can keep Ronda Rousey separate from all the other women because Ronda at this point is still just like a. She is. She is almost. I hate to say this, it's going to sound awful, but she is almost too big for the women's division. She's almost too big for, like, the show, right? Yeah. It's like she doesn't need to be involved in anything. She can just show up and do whatever she wants. She's like Brock Lesnar. She doesn't have to be backstage drinking coffee and all of a sudden, like, someone tips it on her and she's in a match that night. No, she doesn't need to do that. So with me, the weird thing with how they did the shakeup is that I personally feel like you could still keep Charlotte and Asuka apart because they're, they're they're the two top women. Because Ronda and, and, and one of them can go on the show where Ronda is. I thought this was going to be a chance to flip Charlotte over, and you can move over like Oscar and Bailey or something. Because I thought it would have been yeah, good. Yeah, but to if you if you move Charlotte, you almost got to move that the women's championship on Raw right. as well. So that would have been Nia then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess. Um, I don't know. There, there's a couple of like you know a, a, another big thing was 
moving Finn Balor, you know, getting him mm-hmm. getting him off the show where where it's it's the sh- it's the show of the Giants, right? You know, how is Finn ever going to um, maximize his potential when everybody ahead of him is like seven feet tall? It's like it, that's a difficulty that he has to face. Um, I still think they kept Seth Rollins there because. I pray to God we're getting a Dean Ambrose heel heel run when he comes back. I pray that that's what's happening. Yeah. Um, Which is funny because you don't believe in God, so like the praying's not working. It's not working very well for no, me. No, no. Um, I never said I don't believe in God. I just don't know what to believe mm, in. It's different. Gotcha. So, you, but you believe though in a Dean Ambrose heel? Time. I believe. I believe in yeah. a Dean. Believe that. I believe that, and uh, and yeah, I don't know. There there are some things that I'm. I was kind of scratching my head on, but overall, I think I thought the shakeup for both shows went well. Jesse, if there's one move on here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say you can't. I pick Samoa Joe because I think that's that's a pretty easy one to pick. But if there's one move that's going to be the most impactful um, for both shows, which move is that? You know, that's a good question. I have to get back there. Uh, <laughs> um, if I had to say any move, I really like Almas over to SmackDown. I agree. I really like that move. And the move I think is probably the most impactful for Raw. Man, you know, I'm going to say this much. I think it's pairing Ziggler and McIntyre together. Yeah. And I, the reason why I'm saying that is because, you know, shit, dude. We've been on this podcast for how long saying how terrible Ziggler's back. Yeah. This is this – is, this is, I think this is his final chance. Yeah. And I think you, you put him in a situation with a guy he really – he likes. Like, backstage, you get along really well. Like, I really think this has got the beginning of something special where these guys can really kind of take the bull by the horns, win those tag belts, move up the singles ladders together – I think this is definitely going to be something you want to keep your eye on for the next six months, the next year, maybe the next two years. I don't know why, but I'm just going to say Chad Gable. I know. I don't, you're, I don't, you're, I don't you're know why. You already told me why. I know, but I don't know? get it. Yeah. Like, it. It just sticks out on this post. I can't figure out why. And uh, mm-hmm. for Sma- I have to re- agree. I think, honestly, I am so in love with Cien uh, Almas' character that uh, I, I, think, I think he has all of the potential in the world to, to be – the WWE, I, th- I think he could be exactly what they were envisioning Jinder Mahal to be. Not necessarily like a foreign champ, just kind of like a, a really solid heel champion um, that people want to see get his ass kicked for more reasons than them just thinking that he sucks dick. He's a believable heel champion. Yep. Very much in that same mold as like a Ric Flair. Yep. He's very beatable. Yep. Um, and I think I was just so impressed with what he's done in NXT that I, I just in SmackDown. I, it's just it, to me, it's just it's the perfect. And you know they've been looking for that new guy to kind of represent uh, the Hispanic culture and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I think that Cien Almas is the guy for that. And uh, I, I'm just excited. Plus, you know, honestly, nowadays aside from Paul Heyman, there's not that many managers anymore. Yeah. So it's cool to see that you know Zelina followed him, and hopefully they can continue doing what it is that they do. And and I'll admit, I'm pumped for a Miz Daniel Bryan feud. I like everybody else. Yeah. I'm pretty excited for it because you there's know, a lot of heat of, there. It's kind of funny. Like it didn't dawn on me until almost like a week and a half after WrestleMania that we're going to get that feud at some point. Yeah. And the question is, like, do you do you rush that feud? Or do you have it's be Brian? A mania feud. Or do you have Brian? Brian's got to jump through some fucking hurdles, I think, with this one. Yeah. You know, because like that—that's a payoff match for Mania. Now the question is, can WWE actually wait 340 do, days? Do you think this? it's weird that Daniel Bryan's first match was at Mania, and then he's actually wrestled the past two SmackDowns? Like he's already had three matches, <laughs> three straight weeks he's had matches. I don't know. I think a lot of it's just like making sure he doesn't have any ring rust because you're going to use him on the European tour. I guess that's where him and Miz are going to do their business right now is on the European yeah, tour. Yeah, I saw that. Kind of see like how that gels. Um, that's that's gonna be a lot of fun. 
Um, one of the names that definitely was not on either of the Bobby. shakeups was Bobby Lashley. Yeah, and, and John well, Cena. Yeah, and John Cena. He's too busy divorcing or not marrying oh, Nikki geez. Bella. Okay, so did you hear that hot rumor that he actually gave her a seventy-five page like document? Yeah, I've read. Yeah. Wait, wait. You actually read the whole document? No, no, no. I read. I read the story on it. Oh, wow. What the fuck? I always find this is this is a, more of a life question, but I always find that weird. It's like sometimes I feel like people do have really weird quirks like that, and from the outside looking in, like you know, if you like see him at a bar or something, you're like, "Hey, what's up, man?" Like we know each other. Hey, we're kind of like sort of acquaintances. But then you always find out those really super weird things about them that you're like, well, "Oh that's yeah, that happens weird. quite a bit." Yeah, yeah. That's this, that's what it feels like for this. It's like you know, because you see John Cena on TV all the time, and you're like, "I feel like I know who this guy is," and then it's like he gave it his future fiance a 75 page contract basically of how to act in his house or something and it's like you know i don't know what to believe anymore because i feel like i've heard weirder you know maybe he's just like a germaphobe i don't know i don't know but it's so weird though okay so it's like it's super weird it's like okay so so how long have you been living with zari now oh uh, like seven years probably okay what was the only rule that you had with her like, did you give her, like, a document that you can't do this stuff, blah, 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 blah? I did Or it was just like, hey, we're living together. There was one rule, and it's to uh, put the toilet seat down. That is a rule in the household. Well, yeah, it's mostly for, you know, youth to put down the toilet seat, right? It's for youth? No, for you. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, yeah it's, a ru- it's a rule for me. There's yeah. not – I don't think there's any other rules. I think that's that's about it. That's crazy. So this guy actually had 75 pages. Yeah, he's like, Nikki, rules. if you want to be with me – 75-page rule, sign at the bottom. I expect this to be handed back in next week. Oh, one of my, my favorite lines was um, there was a headline that came out. God, what was it? Like Either today or yesterday. Nikki Bella, I always love John Cena like a brother. That's what Brie Bella said. Oh, shit. I was hoping it was Nikki. <laughs> I was hoping that would have been Nikki because I'm like, wow, that's even weirder. No, yeah, that would have yeah. been weird. It's still, I mean, but it was still, maybe, yeah. I don't know, maybe he's shacking up with Bree. Whoa, TMZ I, no here, probably way, not. No way, Yeah. Nobody would cheat on Daniel Bryan. He's too nice. Right? Maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he's way too nice. Yeah. Cool. I don't know. Well, let's it's take so a break, weird. and we'll wrap things up when we come back right here on Grapple Talk. Don't go anywhere. Hey, guys, this is AC Riley reminding you to check out the Riley Factor only on the Grapple Talk Network. Join me as I talk wrestling, interview wrestlers in my Spotlight and Squared Circle segment, and much, much more. What are you waiting for? Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the Grapple Talk Network today. And as always, support independent wrestling. And welcome back to Grapple Talk. Uh, you know, we had a really good shakedown of the uh, Superstar Shake-Up there, Nick. Um, I'm really kind of looking forward to both Raw and SmackDown. But one of the things that both you and me are actually looking forward to here is the Okada-Tanahashi match coming up here at the, I believe it's the first part of May. Mm-hmm. This, yeah. is, uh, this is actually an interesting matchup. So Okada has finally tied Tanahashi's record of 11 straight defenses. So for the 12th one, he's got to beat the Isn't man cool? who set the mark. And this is such good, straightforward booking that no one actually saw it coming. Yeah, uh, New Japan again. Um I mean, we just talked about this, but Okada and Zack Sabre Jr., as we thought, where it was going to be awesome. Um, and now you're, you're basically th- – th- that's why it's really neat, right? It's like if you think about the, the storied rivalries in New Japan, what are the ones that you think of? You always think Tanahashi Okada. Yeah. So uh, we're going to get that, and it's for it's – for, 
it's like the story. It's it's cool how they built the story into the matchup before that before we get it, um, and we I, and we know we're already going to get a great matchup. And uh, again, what's really cool about what New Japan's doing, Jesse, and I don't know if you if you would echo this, but it feels like, you know, last year and the years prior, they always had a lot of dead space. It felt like we would go months without talking about New Japan or really hearing about it. And now it feels like we're talking about it or hearing about it every couple of weeks. Like, they always have something big and something exciting going on. Am I wrong to say that? No, I don't think you're wrong for saying that. And a lot of that has, really, it it happens to do with them almost booking for both Japan and America now. Right. Because you look at that whole, like, Bullet Club story and how, like, intertwined that thing is and how... How it's really pushed up Ring of Honor's, you know, gates. They had the biggest show they've ever had over WrestleMania weekend. It's really kind of driving like interest in the All In show as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those things where New Japan now they got another War of the Worlds tour coming up here. They're going to be back in Chicago. Maybe I, that we could probably put that maybe on the bucket list. All depends if we want to do All In. Yeah. You know? um, and then you also have the story they're telling with Naito. And Suzuki right now. Yeah. There's so many different stories on a main event thing where New Japan's really making a an invested interest to get all their demographics when it comes to their fans invested in their product. And that's something you can't really necessarily say about a lot of major wrestling companies. No, absolutely not. And uh, you know, I don't want to spend too much time talking about New Japan because it feels like we kind of say the same things over and over again. But uh yeah, just really looking forward to what they're doing and uh, you know, they're they're Following along with this Okada storyline, I mean, God, he's been champion for what seems like forever now. Yeah. When is the reign going to end? Who's going to be the one to to, to dethrone them? Could you imagine if Tanahashi did it? That'd be fucking nuts. It would it would blow my mind. It literally would. I'd be it would I would not be expecting that. You got to think. Okay, if if Tanahashi's not the guy, who's the next guy to step up? I don't because know. you're almost work, working right into the G1 then. Juice Robinson. No, probably not. No, no. Juice, he'll get there. He'll get there at some point in time for a main event roster spot. What? Okay, what? All right, what if? What if? Uh Uh-oh. Like, hear me out. What if Tanahashi actually just beats Okada? This whole long story of Okada being the best champion ever was just to put over Tanahashi in the end? Maybe. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't say, like, to put him over at the end. Well, think about this, right? There's also, like, this... This crazy fan theory that the reason why Okada went to long pants is because he's wearing knee braces. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting, actually. Yeah. Huh. You know what I really want to see now that I think about it? What's that? I want to see a G1 Climax tie mm-hmm. between Omega and Naito, and I want to see a triple threat match to main event Wrestle Kingdom next see, year. See, they never do a tie, though, because that last match has a no time limit. Find a way. To find a way. Find a way. But would they even do a triple threat? They've never done a triple threat in the main event. Do it. Uh, I don't know. I think if anything from these past few years, what we've learned is triple threat matches can be really fucking good. Yeah. If you book them right, they can be they can be better than singles matches. I don't think they're going to do it. I just think it'd be well, cool. Well, because if you end up doing it, what you're doing is you're taking what you could have potentially be another top match by putting that guy in that match. Yeah. I mean, you that's know? true. You're not wrong about that, but it'd be such a great culmination of after everything that Omega and Okada did and everything that Okada and Naito did and just have a blow-off and have Okada finally lose and then restart your entire storyline. Because you can always switch the belt without beating Okada. Yeah, you could. Who, 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 If you could honestly pick somebody to beat Okada, who would it be? Oh, Jesus. 
That's tough. No, I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to think of any young guns. I, you know, even like thinking of like young guns, I, d- I don't know. Like, Naito seems to be like the smart answer. Um, Omega could be a guy. Like, if you're Kota Ibushi, could be another guy. Oh, yeah. Um, do you Tana, think, do you like, think Tanahashi's always in the argument? Do you think Osprey works his way out of the, the junior, the juniors eventually? I, to I think at some point, at, at some point, everyone does. Yeah. You know, even like Kushida, basically, he can technically work as a heavyweight. The thing that kind of keeps him there is the fact that he's kind of like the ace. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean. I know they put a lot of stock into Osprey, and I wonder if he's a guy that could potentially make the jump in a year or two. I Now, I think, I think I'm thinking like too two far. Or three. Yeah, I'm thinking too far ahead, but I think that he could be a guy that'd be up at, at the top of the card once he gets out of the junior division. Now, but, could it be one of those things where in New Japan, like, what if they brought in, like, an outsider? You know, maybe like someone from like an All Japan or Pro Wrestling Noah or something like that. I think that ROH had it right when they put the belt on Cody because I think at that point and at that stage he was a mega heat magnet. And, and he I, still is. And he still is. And as honestly, as much as it pains me because I don't think he's necessarily the greatest wrestler in the world, I think um, him ending Okada's streak would have been – would have been great. Now I think at this point Okada needs to beat a lot. He needs to kind of Kinda make history. Yeah. At this point, he's had the belt for so long. He needs to continue to make history because when's the next time this is going to happen? But I, I always never. think, I always think it's an opportunity to not only put a guy over and saying they beat Okada, but at this point, it's an opportunity to create a mega, you know, the the hottest heel that you could ever see by cheaply beating this historic, you know, champion. So. I always think there's there's a there's an opportunity there as well, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like every day, you know, guys like Osprey and and really uh, and uh, and Riddle almost seems like mm-hmm. I read about that dude every freaking day. It seems yeah. like so. I wonder if there's ever a chance where he could make the jump over there and do something. I don't know, um, but uh, but yeah. I, at this point, it's like who? I don't know. I didn't think that Oscar was going to lose to Charlotte at WrestleMania, and I was wrong. So I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, that basically caught everyone off guard as well. So New Japan, a lot of good things coming up as well. Uh, make sure you're following Reign of Honor as well. Coming off a really hot WrestleMania weekend, yeah. These guys are just getting hotter and hotter as time goes on. You think seeing, so? We're, yeah, we're seeing really cool things happening with um, two local guys as well. So currently, right now, Silence Young, the uh, television champion. Yeah. And the Beer City Brewers are getting added to the heavyweight equation yeah. there for the title. That'd be, you know, like, you know, four-way matches and stuff like that. But having the conference, you know, confidence in both of those guys, that's tremendous. Don't forget about uh, Stacey Shadows. Stacey Shadows with as the, well, the women with the, of honor. Uh, the women of honor. Of course, they crowned their first champion over the WrestleMania weekend as well. Uh, a lot of really good things going on there. Uh, Major League Wrestling's got a new TV show. If uh, you have direct TV, you should be able to find that one, no problem. Court Bauer. Court Bauer is uh, Major League Wrestling. Guess who is doing play-by-play for that? Do I know him? I don't know if you know him personally, but Tony Schiavone. Oh, really? So, yeah. It's That's cool. Tony Schiavone is back in the booth doing pro wrestling. That is awesome there for him. Um, a lot of really good things. A lot of cool things added to the network over the last couple of weeks, especially with the Andre the Giant HBO special. Yeah, I got to watch that out. still. Uh, Bruno Sammartino, you know, God rest his soul for passing away this past week as well. A lot of content for him added to the network as well. Mm-hmm. Um, former, you know, mid, mid-Atlantic you know, manager extraordinaire Paul Jones passed away this past week as well. So a lot of different deaths in the wrestling community. But, Nick, um, one of the things that we can't not talk about right now 
and it's something that I think both you and me have on our minds quite heavily. Fantasy football. Fantasy football. Baby. Fantasy football, baby. So this year, this was actually a very interesting year. Both you and me have top five picks yeah. in our Dynasty Football League. Um, I tried tanking, and I couldn't do it. You know, I didn't try to tank. <laughs> I tanked. Um, it was. I, I tried very hard to be competitive. I was competitive for a bit. Yeah, you were. But it just was one of those things where it just was not meant to be this year. Yep. So, you know, so I get straddled with both the first pick in the first round. I traded away my second round pick for Chris Hogan. That didn't work out so well. But, hey, you know, Chris Hogan, he's he's going to be back this year. That's going to yep. be fun. Yeah. And I get the first overall pick in the third round. I'm seeing if I can somehow, someway get in the second round. There's a couple of different players I have my eyes on. You know, right away I'm probably just going to blow that first round pick on Barkley. I would be an idiot not to. Yeah, you would be. Um, you you would be the Cleveland Browns if you didn't pick Barkley there. Yes, and especially if the Cleveland Browns have picks one and four in the NFL draft, and they are not going to take him. They're going to take well. The, the 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 Cleveland Browns move is that they will take Josh Allen with their first pick when there is at least three other quarterbacks that are better than Josh Allen. But yeah, that's that's the move that the Cleveland Browns would make, and that'd be like you if you were like looking at other running backs and you're like, you know what, I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna be smart here. I'm not going to take Saquon Barkley, and it's like I'm going to take that Nick is, Chubb. Yeah, don't do that. No, no, I'm I'm going to take Barkley. Doesn't matter where he ends up. Um, I've been seeing a lot of different mocks. Him going to Cleveland, him going to New York, him going to the Jets, him going to the Buccaneers, which is interesting. Yeah, because last time I had a Buccaneers running back, he didn't do shit. Yep. Yeah. So well, I will say that when it comes to me, I'm the number five pick, and I'm basically going to pick up any. Whichever running back either gets drafted, hopefully by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, the Washington Redskins, I would take uh, a running back there. The Detroit Lions, I would take a running back that goes there. The Denver Broncos, pretty much any of these teams that take a running back that seem like they have an absolute need for a running back, I will probably draft that running back. All right. You know, projections right now, Darius Geis going to be going to uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks for that mm-hmm. number 38 pick. That would be a very enticing pick it's for good me. Back. Good Otherwise, back. you know, I've been reading a lot of stuff on Ronald Jones I believe USC. Yep. Um, and a lot of people saying that he might be the sleeper in this year's draft as far as running backs are concerned. So right now he's ranked, it looks like, as the fifth best back uh, mm-hmm. in the draft, and that's really a guy that I'd I'd be looking to. And but it, for me, since I'm number five, I'm not picking necessarily based on talent. I'm picking on situation. So I need a guy that's definitely going to get touches. Um, and we're not we're, we're not worrying about a crowded backfield because you know with uh, like Miami for example or I mean people are saying that Pittsburgh might take a running back fairly early because they have the whole Le'Veon Bell situation. I don't I don't want to deal with all the 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 questions on whether or not they're going to play, which sometimes I guess is kind of a fault of my own because you know I've I've done things where I've traded away guys like Aaron Jones for nothing. Thankfully. Mm-hmm. And this sounds awful, but he got injured because he was getting like six yards of carry before he got injured, and yeah. I was like, "Oh my god, I cannot believe I just traded away that guy." But, but yeah, for me, I'm looking at uh, situation, and I know with you, with the number one pick, you're picking the best player regardless of where he goes. So exactly, but there's a lot of different really good running backs too, because you almost got to think, okay, so it's it's me, and then it's what three people ahead of you, so you're kind of figuring out, okay, where they're going to draft. You think it's just going to go running back, running back, running back, running back to you, so you probably end up with fifth I, best running I, back. I think so. I think that's how it's going to go. I mean, there, and that's where the question comes in: if Calvin Ridley falls to five, do I mean I don't need a wide receiver, but if you have a guy, a game breaker like Calvin Ridley, who some people are expecting to be like the one of the next big wide receivers in the NFL, 
do I just suck it up and take him and then try to work trades? Like I don't know. That's like that's a question that you have yeah. to you have to have. It was like uh, last year's draft. I had kind of settled on taking. Uh, I think just some random running back in the first round because I was like pick 10 or something and O.J. Howard fell to me. And I was like, well, I wasn't – I mean, I needed a tight end, but I wasn't planning on taking one. And with his potential at that time, I know Tampa Bay re-signed Cameron Braid. I don't know what the hell they're doing. But with him there, I was like, I have – I I can't not yeah. right, and that's the same thing. Now that's not that's what I'm worried about with this is because I really don't need receivers. I have Allen Robinson who's now playing for the Bears. I have Odell Beckham Jr. I have T. Y. Hilton. Yep. I have Marvin Jones from Detroit who still seemingly is their uh, big play option. Go to guy. I have, depending on how he does, I still have Corey Coleman from from Cleveland. I've got a couple of other guys that are a little lackluster but could still put up points, um, but. I, so so I don't need another game breaker. But if he's there, do you take the talent in Calvin Ridley over a gamble on the fifth best running back? You know what I mean? I think a lot of it boils down to what your comfort level is with like the talent that you have, and whether or not you know they're going to make an impact right away. So with running backs, you're always looking at a situation like last year. I ended up taking Mixon. Um, Good pick. Yeah, but like the guys that went afterwards, like Camara went after. You know, like Hunt went after. And it was like one of those things where you don't really know when we draft that these guys are going to move up the depth chart so much. I don't think anyone actually expected Kareem Hunt to, like, get to where he was last year, especially making the impact the first six weeks. Um, I I think a lot of people actually had expectations for Kamara, and whoever got him in our league made a fucking very smart move. I'm pretty sure, like, he ended up finishing in the top five just because of that one move. Um, So you're looking at, like, potential. Potential, 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 especially landing spot. But there's also like those big stats when it comes to running backs where the average career length for a running back in the NFL is three years. Yeah. So do you want to put all your eggs in one basket with a running back? That's a big question. Yeah. Uh, you know, you look at the, my team. I picked up Alex Collins in free agency, and dude ended up starting for me just about every single week. Yep. Um, LeGarrette Blunt wasn't very – I mean, last year he, he scored me a ton of points. I don't think a lot of people expected that, but he started for me pretty much every week. I've got Rex Burkhead on my bench. Dude was startable for a few weeks of the season. Um, you know, I, I, I'm trying to think of other guys. I have a couple of other guys that may or may not be something. Uh, Brita out of San Francisco had a couple of good weeks. Yeah. Um, McGuire for the New York Jets had a couple of good weeks. Um, I traded for Isaiah Crowell. So I have all these guys, and you never know what's going to happen unless you have a guy that doesn't get injured, you know, yeah. that doesn't that plays every game and gets a lot of touches. and that, You don't see that very much anymore. And I think that's what worries us. You know, you look at Kamara, and yeah, he had potential, and he was drafted, I think, in the third round by the by the Saints. But they also had Mark Ingram, yep. and they had just signed Adrian AP. Peterson. Yep. So you're like, okay, well, but how is he gonna? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's like the, one of the best running backs in the league. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. I Mixon. Up, I, I, I'm pretty sure he ended up winning offensive rookie yeah. of the year. You look at Mixon. He had Gio Bernard and J- uh, Jeremy Hill ahead of him, who yep. a lot of people thought were pretty decent running backs. And it's like, I thought, you know, based on potential alone, Mixon was a good pick, but you don't know mm-hmm. when he's going to get his time with all these other guys in the backfield. Yeah, the crazy thing about, like, a guy like Mixon was he was getting the touches, but he wasn't getting the yards per average. Yeah. A lot of people were hoping that he would get. And a lot of that just boiled down to Cincinnati's offensive line. Yeah. They've, they've shored up that. Uh, more than likely, I wouldn't be surprised if you actually grab a guy, like, right away in the draft. There's some really good offensive yeah. linemen that might actually fall to them. 
Um, he's definitely going to be a focal point in that offense, especially with um, Dalton getting older, A.J. Green's getting older. Their wide receiver core isn't exactly how you want it to be right now, especially with a guy like John Ross who didn't do shit last year. Yep. Like, I mean, John Ross could be a fucking bust. A lot of people actually had him very high on their draft board too, but – it's one of those things where, you know, he's got an opportunity to really kind of make himself. Yeah, you just I mean, and you know, the big question is you just don't know. Yeah. You know, I like I said, I picked up OJ Howard. I thought he was going to come in day 1, be play like every down, be a, a lead blocker as a tight end cuz he's a good blocker. He can make plays and what do you know, he's second string offense. He yep. doesn't he has a couple of two catch 50-yard games. But he doesn't really ever come off as a tight end one. And then this offseason, uh, Tampa Bay gives Cameron Bray like a three or four year contract, and you're like, okay. But here's the crazy thing: like, you ever one of one of the coolest bar graphs I've ever seen in my life was um, I forgot which website. It might have been Pro uh, Pro Football Focus. What they did was they took the growth chart of tight ends and like how they get implemented to the offense based on how many years they've been there. So like. Tight end year one, it's very minimum. It's very much getting used to the office, getting the reps in. They really kind of spike around season three. Mm. So season three, they're in the system. They're really good. Then it goes kind of boom, 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 like so. And then they kind of plateau at some point. Yep. Now you have those like those freaks like an Olsen or Gronk. Antonio Gates or a Gronk who just like their ceiling seems to keep on getting higher and higher and higher. But then you have guys like, like a Zach Miller or something like that where it's like, there, there's so many peaks and valleys depending on injuries and stuff like that. Like an Eric Ebrahim's a guy who a lot of people had very high, yep. but he never reached his full potential, especially there in Detroit. Now he's in what, Philly? Jacksonville? He's I don't somewhere. Remember. He's somewhere. Fuck, where, who gives a shit where he's at? I he's don't not care. in Detroit anymore. But, you know, it's even like Julius Thomas. You know, you go from Denver to Jacksonville. Now you're in fucking Miami. You know, it's like. I don't even know if he's in. Is he still in Miami? I think he's somewhere in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if uh, you're Julius Thomas and you're listening to this podcast, please tell us where you're at. But we're worried. We're very worried. But there's there's so many different options, and even if you look at your your draft board and stuff like that, depending on your need, there's some really good tight ends coming out. But the question is, when are they going to start? Yep. Um, even look at a guy like Austin Hooper. Like he's he's starting to come on last year. Uh, Jesse James really hasn't picked up any steam in the last like three years. And they he, thought he'd be Heath Miller's replacement, right? Yeah, for, he's, for he's not going to end up being Heath Miller's replacement. It's no. just there's no replacement for Heath Miller. Like even like Baltimore is having a tough time replacing Todd Heap. Yeah, yeah, they really have. Todd, I forgot about Todd. Heap. Todd fucking Heap, man. L.J. Crumpler, you remember that guy? I remember him. Yeah. Tony Gonzalez. Even no, Green really Bay's good. had a tough time trying to like replace the magic that was Jermichael Finley. Yeah, he was he like lit the world on fire for like a yeah. season or something, and then all season of a sudden, season two, and then he got basically like. But now they've got Jimmy Graham. They got Jimmy Graham. They hope to to capture the fire that sausage Jimmy Graham fingers. Has. All right, so my draft strategy right now is very much Barkley draft Barkley, and then whatever falls to me, if I can get into the second round somehow, some way, and get an extra draft pick. With with the what would of- you have to trade to get? See, that's that's the thing about our league. Yeah, is that guys treat draft picks as if they like are literal gold. I yeah. mean, it's like especially when you get this close people it's, are cuz people are so giddy. The unknown, yeah, man. well people are yeah. so giddy like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to make my draft picks." Eh, like they, they that they won't they completely overvalue, you know, like a mid-second round pick. It's like I'd probably have to give up OBJ to get it. It's like, yeah. "What do you what?" Yeah. You know, it's like, "Oh my, okay, that doesn't make any sense." But that's just how that's just how they they do it in the league right now, you know? 
Now, if you make a trade for a draft pick the day after all the picks have been made uh-huh. for the following year, it'll probably be easy to get a pick. But people yeah. right now are so giddy. They'll watch you know, the draft next week, and they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to draft this guy to my team. Oh, my gosh. That it's going to be almost impossible to get probably to, yeah. to get another pick. But. See, that, that's the thing. It's like I've been there's so many different quarterbacks coming out this year. There's five quarterbacks that a lot of people are like, oh, this guy's going to be a starter. This guy's going to go in the first round. You know, it's like. And then you look at the quarterback, you know, classes that we do have right now. There's a lot of quarterbacks who are getting up there in age. You know, Roethlisberger, Rodgers, Brady. There's a lot of like hoopla, whatever. Not Brady's going to actually play actually yeah. past this season. Yeah, he'll play. Yeah, basically, you know, unless he's mugging Stormy Daniels. So. Nice. But um, you know, so I don't even know if like maybe you're going to see a rash of people in our league drafting quarterbacks in the second round. I hope so. That gives me more picks. I don't need a quarterback. I've got Derek Carr. I'm fine. Yeah, you know, I at some point I might need a quarterback yeah. because I, I fuck, dude. Like I might as well just go out and get the other starting quarterback in the AFC North. Who's that? Fuck, I got Tyrod Taylor. I might as well just fucking try to get Joe Flacco at this point in time because I got Taylor, Dalton, and Roethlisberger. Do you really? Yeah. Yeah, you might as well. Yeah, because that's tough too. Because Dalton hasn't really been living to potential. Yep. Tyrod Taylor is probably on a timetable for He's whoever. He's a stopgap. He's two whoever, to three. Yep, yep. and then. Roethlisberger maybe has only a year or two left. Yeah, he was talking retirement last year. Yeah. And more than likely, he's probably only got a season left. Ooh. So that makes it Maybe kinda, you need a quarterback then. You know, that makes it intriguing. But I kind of like, like, I like the guy, well, maybe, you know, if, if if a guy like a Lamar Jackson falls to me in the third round, like, why the fuck not? If a guy like Baker Mayfield falls there, why the fuck not? Yeah. You I know? still think, I don't know. I still think Denver should take Baker Mayfield. I think it'd be fun, but uh, I don't. I don't know if they will. It's it's crazy, man. It's the mm-hmm. NFL draft is crazy this year that we could see quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. I don't know if Cleveland needs Saquon. I think well, I they think got Hyde. They brought him in. They've got Duke Johnson too, yeah. who's similar mold to what you'd expect Barkley to be, at least right out the gate. Yeah. Um, and I think I think if you're Cleveland, man, you got to pick up Nick Chubb. Or um, is it Nick Chubb? Who's the Who's the end? Which one of what? One of the Chubbs is an end. The other Chubb is a running back. Yeah. Chubb, Chubb, Chubby Chubb. But I think if you're that, you got to pick up an end. Yeah. You know, if you're Cleveland, especially if he's supposed to be a game breaker, you know, like in the line of like a Von Miller or a Cleo back. Put him on the other side of Miles Garrett. Uh, hello. Yeah. Tough ass defense, and you got your quarterback so what, in the future. What if you did this? If you're Cleveland, now just hear me out on this one. What if you just took the best two players? In the first four picks, so you take Barkley, and then you grab Chubb, or you grab Chubb and then grab Barkley. I think you need a franchise quarterback. I really do. But here's the thing, though: it's like how often are quarterbacks in the first round, guys that actually pan out and end up being fucking future stars? I would honestly guess. Okay, so who's the first round? We've got Josh Allen, we've got Baker Mayfield, we've got Josh Rosen, we've got uh, Sam Darnold. Maryland. Um, and Lamar Mayfield, Jackson. Yeah, Mayfield. Yeah. So, oops. I would probably say, I will honestly guess that two out of those five guys. That's tough, actually. I would say, like, if I had to, right now, if I had to make my picks, I really like what Baker Mayfield brings to the table. The guy's got fucking leadership up the ass. He's a game breaker. Like, you look at his uh, touchdown to interception ratio. Fucking huge. Um, you look at a guy like Lamar Jackson, proven winner. He can't help it that his fucking defense gave up points in a lot of those games. Same with, like, fucking Baker Mayfield when Oklahoma played in Georgia. Like, he fucking balled on those guys. 
but he lost because his defense couldn't make a stop. Um, but you look at guys like like Darnell, who he's got an arm. You know, a lot of these guys just have arms, but they're not refined. You know, they're like salivating over the fact he can throw the ball eighty fucking yards. Yeah. But you also need a guy who can get the fuck open. Yeah. You know, and break that. I think I think Baker Mayfield has the potential to be kind of what RG three was a couple of years ago. Yeah. I think I think he might come in if he can get a starting gig somewhere right off the bat. I think he'll light the world on fire his first season. Yeah. And then you and hope I he doesn't he, get killed. I don't know that he'll get killed, but I do. Th- I think there's not. I I think. I, I foresee Baker Mayfield to be the guy where his rookie or his sophomore seasons are his best years, mm-hmm. and uh, he kind of settles down a little bit. But I don't know. I could I could be wrong. I, I I'm not sure. I really really am intrigued by the idea of Lamar Jackson coming to New England. I'm super intrigued by that, and I actually would love to see it. But uh, I don't know if that's a. That's I mean, there's we'll do. there's all the potential in the world that even like he could fall that far. Yeah, I don't I don't want them to trade up. I, I would prefer them to, to hopefully wait back, uh keep the the two firsts and the two seconds that they have mm-hmm. and uh just kind of stockpile on some guys because they definitely lost um they lost some guys and they they added some you know, not super old guys, but they added some guys that are probably up there a little bit in age and I would I just personally would really like to see New England keep their picks and man if Lamar Jackson falls to him, I would I would love that because you know, it's it's not often where New England drafts kind of like a, a big-name quarterback. No. And Lamar Jackson, honestly, like, is probably – he may not be the best quarterback, but he's – you know, he he's he's a special – he's he's got – he's special. I mean, there's there's something about him that obviously he's a winner, and, uh, and you know, I, I hope that um, he comes to the team and Josh Mc, uh, McDaniels can work with him and try to refine his skills. I think it would be really cool, but Because I mean, look at what Josh McDaniels did with Tebow when he had him. Yeah. You know, like – that was a special moment. He did. He actually somehow made Tebow a, a a winner in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, Tebow never necessarily was a you know MVP candidate, but he somehow got him into the playoffs and won some games, and that's and that's mm-hmm. got and that means something. And if he had the chance to bring in Lamar Jackson and work under Brady for a couple of years, because regardless of what people say, you know, you want to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. If Brady even plays another year. I mean, if Brady were to retire after this year, that's still Jimmy Garoppolo. He would have had to have been franchise tagged. Yeah, it's you know, be a lot and of money. yeah, he's making eighteen, nineteen, twenty million dollars a year to be your backup quarterback. He's getting older. I mean, then we're not, we're not, we're talking about not starting Jimmy G until he's what twenty six, twenty seven. I anyhow, mean, it's you, waste at that point. And then he, anyhow, you traded Jimmy G and you got some draft picks. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't think that was necessarily a bad thing. I mean, but but uh, and and that's the other thing too. I mean, you have. People always say that you know hindsight's twenty twenty, but yeah, people always you know say, oh, well, you should have traded Brady. But it's like, dude, unless you You're unless not you trade Tom Brady, unless yeah. you have Jimmy G starting a couple of games to see what you have, you just don't know. See, I, I, and I know you, you're yeah. in practice, and Bill Belichick made a big stink mm-hmm. about it, you know, trading him and being pissed off about it. But honestly, you know, who knows? Maybe this next year, Jimmy G comes out and he loses freaking. 13 games, right? And then everybody's like, oh. Yeah, it's, it's a strong possibility. But, like, it's a lot of people who want to compare it to Montana and Young. Yeah. But what you had there was Montana got hurt. Yeah. And Young got a chance to audition for that job. Yep. As Montana was already basically one foot out the door because of his age. Yep. Uh, you also had, like, a coaching change as well. Just It was, like, the perfect storm. So you were able to move Montana to Kansas City. Go with Steve Young, and the rest is history. Yep. And I would say during Deflategate, Jimmy G had a chance, and he got hurt. Yeah. And then Brissett came in, and 
Brissett played, and uh, and you know he played we well enough to be traded away first. Yeah, but we never, but we never had a chance to see what Jimmy G really brought to the table. We saw him in preseason, we saw him for a limited period of time in the regular season, but again, it was never anything to where a Patriots fan could sit down and say absolutely with certainty this is the guy because you know what you trade away Tom Brady you do something like that and Jimmy G comes out and everybody's all hyped and excited and he does jack shit Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you go well fuck me we just traded away (laughs) we just traded away our best chance for a Super Bowl fuck me all right so another aging quarterback do you think they go after a replacement this year yes for both Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers you have to yeah You, you have to you don't have it. I can. I don't even know who backs. I think Drew Brees, like Luke McCown, Josh McCown. I don't even know who dra- who backs up Drew uh, Josh Brees. Josh McCown is still in New York. Whatever. So yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, he actually I, signed a deal. Congrats to him. I don't even know who's backing yeah. up Drew Brees. I think uh, the guy that played at Ohio State is the backup for Philip Rivers. Cardell Jones, maybe. I don't remember. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they gotta they gotta figure that out too because those dudes are not gonna be there forever. I w- I would be surprised honestly if Drew Brees plays. Two more years. I think this might be Drew's last year. Mm-hmm. As for Philip Rivers, you know, at some point, if I'm Philip Rivers, yeah, I like making money. But to me, it's like, dude, I'm just we're not going anywhere. Philip Rivers also has like eight kids. He I does. think at some point in time, he wants to enjoy those kids' as childhood. Yeah, that'd be a good. That'd be good. Good yeah. dad. Good dad, Phil. Yeah, definitely. So, all right, cool. Well, we should probably end it there. I know you got things to do. I got to go make some chicken din din. Yep. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. We'll be back. Maybe in like, uh, can we do next week? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, sure. I don't know. Hopefully, we'll have something to talk about, right? <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I'm, I'm sure there's yeah. always stuff going on. And uh, you can give me an update on how uh, WrestleCom was. I'll, I'll look forward to your Snapchat story. Uh, definitely. I, I'll probably only snap once. That's fair. Yep. Once is enough. It might be a, like a piece of food or something. Okay. That's fair, too. Sweet. All right. right, Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us this week on Grapple Talk. As always, stay classy and uh, support indie wrestling.